Glad to see everyone back. Hope that you're getting excited about this uh, story that we've been looking at. Before I go on, just a couple of things. And if any of you kids have your cards that didn't get turned into the barrel, you let me know. Um, Perhaps if your family is interested in reading uh, the Pilgrim's Progress, there's uh, many different versions that you can find on the market to read. Uh, You can probably find an original, you know, King James English version online for free and read it that way. But if you're looking for something more updated or even modified for younger people, uh, the Pilgrim's Progress in today's English is uh, a, tells the whole story. Uh, it's written almost like reader's theater style. So if you have more than one book, you can, uh, you can see where Pilgrim talks to obstinate and obstinate answers back. And you can kind of read it that way with the various characters. And uh, this version is put out by Moody Press some years ago. I'll have them available. People can look at uh, if. You're really into pictures. The, the pictures that, in that you'll see up here, for the most part, pretty much come from this version of the story. It's called The Dangerous Journey. And it actually has the original text, but it's been excerpted. So they've taken parts of it from here and parts of it from here and, and put them together. So you get basically the whole story in John Bunyan's words, but vastly shortened. It's about 10 chapters in here. That's a great picture edition if you want to read that. Uh, if you're the type that says, I'm never going to sit down and read... Answers in Genesis has a five CD audio unabridged original text version. Now, if you're if you're afraid that you're not going to understand King James English, um, they've read it very well. It's quite easy to follow, relatively speaking. Uh, They also have a book if you want to study it in more detail that goes along with this all from Answers in Genesis. Someone in the 1800s decided maybe people think that walking with a burden on your back sounds a little outdated. And so uh, there's another short allegory called the Celestial Railroad. Um, the, uh, basically, the premise of the story is that uh, people who think the journey's too hard, they want an easier way, um, they can take the railroad and avoid the pitfalls that, that Christian went through on his journey. Um, but, of course, the railroad is actually secretly run by the devil himself. So interesting little story twist on the uh, on the, the telling of the story there, but still interesting and uh, lots to read <clears throat> uh, for y- any of the young people. Also, I put together a little worksheet if you want to do this at home. And uh, I made a memory verse. The memory verse for the first week is Hebrews, uh, excuse me, Psalm 38, 4. For my iniquities have gone over my head like a heavy burden or too heavy for me. And uh, if you can tell me the verse uh, on Sunday, I'll, I'll give you an extra one of the bonus cards. You can stick it in the barrel and uh, get in line for one of the prizes. I actually pulled the prize table up so you guys can see it and hopefully be a little bit motivated to uh, read. Mr. Malcolm, you mind pulling a couple of our cards out for the kids who might be here tonight from here? All right. All right. <laughs> I think you can do it. Okay. All right. We got one. And this is Ruthie. Ruthie got one. Let's, let's pull two more. Two more. See, it pays to come. Uh-oh. Midweek meeting. Uh-oh. All right, we got another one here. This is Violet Wren. Oh, All right. Here, Other Wren family. All right, let's pull one more. <clears throat> All right, and this is Jude. All right, well, we'll tell him that he was selected, but we'll just pull three for now. How about we get some more cards? So I'd like to review just a little bit before moving on in our story. 
The story was written by a certain man. Does anyone remember his name? What was his name? John Bunyan. John Bunyan, that's right. And what country did he live in? What country did John Bunyan live in? Oh, you know. England, England that's right. And uh, he ended up getting arrested. What did he get arrested for? A man by the name of John Bunyan got arrested? He got arrested because he preached the Bible without a license. That's right. The government said you had to have a special license to preach the gospel. And he said, Jesus told me to preach the gospel. I'm not waiting for any old uh, license. But then he was arrested. How long was he put in jail? How long? How long? Very good. Twelve years he was in jail. And while he was there, he wrote this story. And the name of the story is, um, I, I can't remember. Do you, do you, what's the name of the story we're talking about? The Pilgrim's Progress, right? So it's about someone who's a pilgrim. What is a pilgrim? What is a pilgrim? Does a pilgrim stay at home? No. No? no. They go somewhere? Yeah. Yeah? They do, right? They go on a journey. Okay, a pilgrim leaves one place to go somewhere else to live. And so this pilgrim, now he's known by two other names in the story. Who can help us remember the, we want all three names of the, the pilgrim who's traveling in this story. Nathaniel? Yes, pilgrim is one of the names. Christian is the other. And before he gets to the cross and becomes a Christian, he's actually, his name is Graceless. Right. He's outside of the grace of God. Very good. So he starts off the story living in this terrible city. What was the name of the city where Pilgrim began his life and before he started his journey? Does remember the city of city of city of. Do you remember? No, no. The Pilgrim himself. Destruction. That's right. The city of destruction. And the reason the city was going to be destroyed is because. Um, why was the city going to be destroyed? <clears throat> Do you know? Uh, it's a thing called sin? sin. That's right. And because God has to judge sin and the city was full of sin and not just the city, but the people in it. Right. And so how did the pilgrim know that he had to get out of the city? He was reading a certain book. He was reading the Bible. Right. And so the first picture we saw of him was he was out in the fields reading his Bible. And we noticed two more things about him. I want two more things that we noticed about pilgrim at this journey. Yes. He had a tear in his eye and he had he was away from the city, a tear in his eye, and he had something on his back. Something on his back. You know what he had on his back? Dalith, I saw your hand go up. A burden. That's right. And the burden was the conviction of his sin. He knew that he was guilty before God. And so he didn't know where to go. And he started crying out a question. Very important question. Do you remember what his question is? What can I do? What do I do? What do I do? And who did God send to answer that question? He sent a man, Daniel, evangelist, because the evangelist was looking for sinners who needed to know how to escape the judgment of their sin. And so where did he tell him to go? Where did he tell him to go? Micah, there was a light. That's right. And what is the light supposed to remind us of? Jesus. That's right. Jesus said, I'm the light of the world and the Bible the words the Bible says God's word is a lamp to our feet and a light into our path. And so he started off toward that light and somebody came after him. Two people ran after him to try to bring him back. They did not want him going. Does anyone remember the names of the two people who came after who came after Pilgrim to bring him back? Oh, boy. <clears throat> who are the two people? 
Obstinate and pliable. Obstinate is a stubborn person, doesn't want to listen to anybody else. Pliable can be bent very easy. And so both of them went to go travel him. And of course, obstinate could not convince him to go back because Pilgrim knew from the word of God that he had to escape. And so obstinate gave up on him and went back. But pliable went with him. Why did pliable turn around and give up the journey? Where did they end up that caused the in a slew of despond, right? They ended up in this swampy mess <clears throat> that wanted to make them hopeless that they would ever get there. But because Pliable had no burden on his back, he turned around and went back. He said, I don't need these problems. But P- Pilgrim knew from the word of God that he couldn't go back. So he struggled to get out, but couldn't. And suddenly he called out for help. And who came to help him? Who came to help him? You remember who came to help him? Michael? Help. God sent help. And that was one of the lessons we learned is that a sinner who is seeking God, God said, you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. And when that sinner fights through the guilt of their sin and wants God's help, God will send help. Now, leaving that story for application for ourselves, because does God help us as Christians, too? He does. Right. So we need help. We call out to God. He will send it. So that's where we left off our story last time. Our pilgrim has now gotten out of the slough. He's a muddy mess, but he's getting up again to try to continue on his journey. And help tells him God does know about these things. He doesn't like that people fall into the mud and the slough and get hopeless. But that's what sin does. It makes us feel shame and guilt. And and we begin to wonder whether God will even help us because we're so sinful. But Jesus said that all who come to me, I will no wise cast out. And so he does want to give the sinner hope. And he sent help to help him continue his journey. And that brings me to where we are in our journey now. We want to look a little bit more at this story. But before we go to the story itself, I'm going to ask if my puppet helpers can go in back to get ready to do one more puppet program. And while we're thinking of the puppets, which one blacks out the screen? Okay. Um, we've already done two. Thank you, Nathaniel. We've already done two puppet uh, scenarios. And um, the first one, puppet Christian came back to say, hey, listen, this is a great story of my life. I want you to listen. But last time there was two people. There were two puppets who were kind of like obstinate and pliable, weren't they? Right. They wanted to try to convince the guy not to do something and he really wanted to do, like go to camp or something like that. And and just want, that was just a little example to show you that we face the same things in life today. Right. Kids, they want to do things like go to camp and it's a fun thing. And we know it's a good thing with the word of God being taught at places like Camp Horizon. But some people are going to scoff at that. Just like if you get serious about God's word, people are going to scoff at that. Well, we've got another situation here that we'd like to learn from tonight. And it goes along with what we're going to talk about tonight. So pay attention and see if you can figure out how it goes along with tonight's lesson. Can you press play on the the phone sitting there for uh, the audio? Oh, fell asleep. your step. Wow. It's really dark in here, Mr. Sam. I can't see anything. 
Of course. That's the way most attics are. Aren't they, Mr. Sam? That is true, Lawton. This attic is just like every other attic I know of. Just a dark place to hide stuff we don't want people to see. In fact, even if you want to see what's in here, it can still be hard to see till your eyes adjust to it. Speaking of which, watch your step. Oh, oh, ouch. Ouch is right. Precisely my point, Lawton. That's right, Gracie. Come around here. Okay. Now tell me, what do you see? A mess. This is worse than my brother's bedroom. This place is disgusting. Oh, are those spiders? Let's get out of here. Can we go? Can we go? Can we go? Not so fast, you two. We'll go back into the daylight as soon as you're done. Done? That's、um, right. Done with what, Mr. Sam? The two of you are going to sweep this place up. Aww. I figure this is just what you two need after that little fight you had with each other. Oh yeah, don't remind me. Lawton, why don't you start sweeping over here first? Yes, sir. <laughs> okay, Lawton, <coughs> you can stop for a few minutes. Oh, thank you. I could barely breathe with all that dust flying around. Sorry, I was only doing what Mr. Sam asked me to do. I am sorry, Mr. Sam. I was trying my best. Really, I was. I believe you, Lawton. Thank you. <clears throat> Now, Grace, will you please do us a favor? Spray some of that water there on the floor before we begin again. Yes, sir. Thank you, Grace. Now, Lawton, will you please try again? Are you sure, Mr. Sam? I think my allergies are acting up. Achoo! Bless, Bless you. you. Yes, I'm sure, Lawton. Are you really sure, Mr. Sam? Because I already tried sweeping all that time and swept up nothing. I am. Just sweep again on the other side. But only because you are asking me. Wow! Look at that, Grace. It comes right up. It's not hard at all. As much as I wanted to sweep it up before, I just made it worse. In fact, the harder I tried, the worse it got. But now look. I see. I see that. That's great, Lawton. Why does it work, Mr. Sam? You knew this would happen, didn't you, Mr. Sam? <laughs> yes, I did. There's a lesson in this for you too. I figured something like this was gonna happen. You see, this attic is like a person's heart, and the dust is like the sin we want to hide away from other people, and sometimes even from ourselves. When you started sweeping the first time, and the dust flew up and choked us, that was to show us. That when we try to clean our hearts from sin by trying to keep God's law by being good, instead of cleaning our hearts, it only stirs up the sin that's in there. Even though the law shows us our sin and even condemns it and calls it bad, the law cannot give the power to overcome the sin and put it away. Instead, 
It's just the opposite that happens. The harder we try, the more our souls are choked by the sin as it gets stirred up and stronger in our hearts. But the sprinkling of the room with water and how it settled the dust and made it easy to sweep away and clean the room, this is to show us the working of the gospel of God's grace. How, when God's grace enters into the heart and the soul of a person, at the very moment of putting his or her trust in the work that Christ has done for them when he died on the cross, God's gospel of grace enters in with the power and ability to settle the influence of sin in our hearts. For it's the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. Yes, the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all unrighteousness and sin. So, my question for each of you is, now that you've seen the dust and dirt and sin that's in the attic of your hearts, are you ready to let the grace of the Lord work in your hearts? I sure am. My way of just trying harder hasn't helped much. Neither has mine. And it doesn't sound like it's going to start helping anytime soon. Will you help us, Mr. Sam? Sure. I'd be glad to. What do you say we move to a place with a little more light? Yeah, and a little less dust. Well, actually, there's not much dust left in here. But I still am worried about those spiders I saw earlier. Kind of a silly illustration, but it, it really does the point. And actually, as we go along in our story, we're going to learn that there's a certain place where Pilgrim is going to end up. And I'm going to get a little ahead of myself. But as he gets to this place called Interpreter's House, which is actually a picture of the Holy Spirit's work in our lives, that's one of the stories that he learns there. And so we just kind of put it into a modern day uh, similar situations so that we can think about it a little bit. But anyways, okay, so our pilgrim comes out of the slough and he starts on his journey again and suddenly he runs into someone. This person... Can you start up that PowerPoint again? Oh, wait. Oops. <laughs> Okay, this person's name was Worldly Wise Man. And so he meets him on the road and he sees him and he says, Hey, you Mr. Traveler, what's wrong? Why are you carrying such a big pack on your back? And, and why are you so dirty? And he said, Oh, I'm trying to go to the place where I can be delivered from this burden on my back. And, and he said, Well, you must have fallen into that slough. No, who sent you that way? He said, well, I ran into this man named Evangelist, and he told me that if I went on this path, I'd come to the place where I could be delivered. And so I started headed out toward that light. And he said, oh, where in the world did you get all this information? And, of course, where did he say he got it from? From, from the Bible, right? And he said, oh, that's what I thought. Terrible book. You shouldn't be reading that book. He said, listen, you don't have to go through all these problems to get rid of that burden on your back. There is a much easier way to do that. It doesn't have all the same problems and difficulties as the way that you're going. And so Pilgrim started thinking about this. 
we're going to move him in a second here. Tilden started thinking about this and he thought, well, let me think. If the way that I'm going is filled with difficulties and problems and it's only going to get worse and he has a solution that's going to be so much easier, I ought to listen to what he has to say, shouldn't I? So he says, well, where is this place? And he says, well, do you happen to see that hill over there? Well, yeah, okay, I see the hill. And he says, well, right at the top of that hill lives a man named Mr. Legality. And he is a specialist at helping people take the burdens off their back. He's a very nice man and he gets along with people very well. In fact, his own son named Civility, he's excellent at the same thing. You just make your way up that hill to Mr. Legality's house and, and you won't have to go through all the problems that you've been going through so far. So <clears throat> let's catch up to our story here. So yes, Mr. Worldly Wise Man comes and directs him towards this place. Now, what we need to realize about Mr. Worldly Wise Man is that he is getting his information from where do you think? Where does Mr. Worldly Wise Man get his information? From the world, right? He's not looking at God's word. He's looking at what the world thinks about things and what we learn just by looking around the world. Now, is that a safe place to try to find truth? Well, it's not, right? In fact, two places in the Proverbs, the Bible says there's a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of destruction and death. And so Mr. Worldly Wiseman, although he seems like a nice guy, is actually going to send him in the wrong direction. Now, why do you think worldly wisdom is going to send us in the wrong direction? Who did we learn the other day? is controlling the things of this world. The, the Bible says in 1 John that the whole world lies in the lap of who, Daniel? The of the wicked one. Right? So Satan himself is controlling the thinking and the course of the world. And so you're going to get wisdom from the world. It's going to send you in the direction that you don't want to go. Now, at this time, Christian doesn't know that. But since we're talking about worldly wise men and he's about to leave as Pilgrim moves on, I want to just talk briefly about this wisdom that comes from the world that James talks about, right? We, we have an enemy, right? Now, often when we think about Satan, this is the picture that comes up in people's minds of a caricature of this little devil with the forked uh, uh, and the horns and the, and the forked uh, prongs that he, that he comes along. Now, this is not a real picture of Satan, is it? Right? The Bible says that we should be careful lest... We are taken advantage of by Satan, that we're not ignorant of his schemes, right? He wants to trick us. So he, he wants us to think that he's just an imaginary creature like that, but that's not true. We do have an enemy, and the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 that he presents himself like an angel of light. He's going to come to appear good. Like worldly wise men appeared like a gentleman, well-dressed. He can speak really well and he's convincing in his arguments. That's the way Satan wants to come. Not only does the Bible say that Satan transforms himself to an angel of light, but all of his helpers also transform themselves into ministers of righteousness that appear to be good things, but actually they're coming to trick you. The real picture of Satan is what the Bible describes for us. First of all, in first Peter five, eight, that says he's like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. The first thing we learn about worldly wise men is says they just happened to cross paths. Do you think we just happened to cross paths with anybody in this world? 
Absolutely not. God is orchestrating events for us to cross paths with the people he wants us to talk to, like evangelists with, with, with Pilgrim. But also Satan is, is purposefully putting people and things in our path to try to keep us from following the Lord. Jesus said in John chapter 8 that Satan was a murderer. And he doesn't stand in the truth. No truth is in him. He's a father of lies. So this is the picture that we need to remember Satan, not some little pretend devil on one shoulder and a little angel on the other. No. In fact, Jesus said he only comes to steal, kill and destroy. So imagine now Pilgrim thinks that he's getting good information from worldly wise men and he begins his journey. He sees the path that worldly wise men is pointing him to and he begins in that direction. What he doesn't realize is that the path is going to get really steep and the jagged edges are going to nearly knock him over into death. And so he tries to make it as best he can because he's convinced this is the easier way. This is the better way. It's going to be better than the path that the Bible and the evangelists had pointed him on. But finally, he comes to the point where he realizes this is not going to work. And so he stops and it's thundering and lightning and he's afraid he's going to die. And who do you think comes across his path again? Who, Ruthie? Yeah, evangelist is going to cross his path. Oh, there's one of the Proverbs I was telling you about, right? There's a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. Yeah, evangelist comes along. And as he's coming along and he sees a pilgrim and he says, wait a minute, I know you. Didn't I send you on the path to the, to the light, to the gate? And, and he says, well, yes, yeah, that was me. He said, well, well, then what are you doing here? Why are you trying to climb this mountain? It's totally out of the path that I sent you on. It's in the opposite direction of the light that I directed you to. And he said, well, you know, I met this man named Worldly Wise Man. And he starts telling him the whole story. And he seemed like such a nice guy. And he, and he said it would be easier. And he said that he, everything else he said about how difficult this path was turned out to be true. So I just thought the rest of what he was saying was true, too. But then Evangelist strongly spoke to him. He said, you realize that you have made a very, very big mistake. He said, the worst part of it is, is that he has convinced you to despise the cross of Christ. Now, in Pilgrim's case, it was because to go to the cross is a humbling thing. The only thing we can do when we come to the cross is to admit that we're worthless, guilty sinners who don't deserve God's grace. And there's nothing we can claim to try to present ourselves as any acceptability to God. And that's a hard thing for us to do. Isn't it? Yeah. I hope you don't mind if I use an illustration. I remember before we got married, um, we went up to a youth retreat up at camp. And uh, my keys got locked in the trunk of, our, of my car when we were carrying all this stuff out. And, of course, we're up at Camp Horizon. I have no other keys. And um, Nancy happened to lock them in there. And we were barely just beginning a relationship. And so she felt very terrible. And uh, I remember she wanted to pay for it, but I wouldn't let her. I just said, no, it was an accident. It's my car. And, you know, I shouldn't have left the keys where I did. And, and, uh, and so I wouldn't let her pay for it. And I remember how difficult it was for her just to accept the forgiveness without feeling like she needed to pay for it. 
We feel better if we can do something to make up for the wrongs that we do, right? Whether it's to pay for the thing that's broken or to, to make up for it somehow. And, and even with one another, when we were, we're imperfect people with one another, but it's hard for us to simply accept grace. And because of that, all through time, mankind has tried to solve their own problem. Adam and Eve, what did they do? They made fig leaves. What do we do? We go to the law. We say, oh, here's the Ten Commandments. Well, if I can just do this and if I can do that, I'll feel better about myself. I'm I'm doing the right thing. And, you know, Paul talked about that in Philippians chapter three, didn't he? He said, I myself am a Pharisee of Pharisees. I grew up understanding the law and I did my best to fulfill it. And I far surpassed everyone else around me. But listen to what he says. Philippians three. Verse eight and nine, he said, indeed, I count all these things now he does. He counts them lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I've suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish so that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness. Listen to this, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness, which is from God by faith. See, the righteousness that God gives comes by faith and through his grace. But the righteousness that we can try to attain, yeah, we can make a set of rules like the Pharisees did, and they can live up to those rules. Of course, they pretend other things don't really include in that law. But they felt pretty good about themselves. Did the burden disappear? In the Pharisees, it did. They didn't feel themselves in needing of God's grace anymore because they'd convinced themselves by following a certain code of conduct that they were okay. But that's our own righteousness derived from the law. But it's not God's righteousness. And so really and truly, our sin is still upon us. But it appears that the burden would be less if we can do that. But actually, the Bible says the harder we really try, if we're honest with ourselves, through the law comes the knowledge of sin. And the burden really gets heavier over time rather than going away. And so if if worldly wise men had convinced him that he should just forget about the Bible and go try the law, because that's what Mr. Legality is going to try to do, teach him to do the law, then he would be okay. But thankfully, he, re- he crossed paths with evangelist again and he said, listen, what you need to do is understand. The Bible says, until you trust in Christ, you're still judged. You're still under God's wrath. So don't just stand here again. He says, you see the light. It's still in the same place. It's never moved. And so he said, you run, run towards that light. Don't talk to stop to anybody else. Stop. And that's what he did. He he plugged his ears and he just ran. If anyone passed by, they even tried to talk to him. He wouldn't even talk to him. Why? Because he didn't want to be tricked by anybody else like worldly wise man. And so finally he continued on his way. And Timmy, you can move Pilgrim again. You want to move him? So he continues on his path and he gets to the gate. And the gate is there and written over the top of it is a big sign that says, knock and it shall be opened unto you. And so he goes and he pounds on the door and no one comes. And so he pounds on it again and he pounds on it again. And as he keeps on knocking, suddenly there's a voice and there's a man who comes to the door and his name is Goodwill. And he said he opens up. Now, the story calls this a wicked gate. Now, it's not wicked like evil, right? But what that is, is back in the olden days, you sometimes see them in castles. You got this huge wooden door at the gate of a city. But then in the door, there's a small little door. And so actually the small door opens up within the big door. And if they wanted to, they could open the big door. But the wicket gate is what that little door is. And so that's where evangelists sent him to the wicket 
gate and he was pounding on it. And so uh, Goodwill comes and he opens the little window to talk to him. He says, who are you? And where are you from? And where are you going? And what do you want? And so Pilgrim says, well, I'm from the city of destruction. And, I, and Mr. Evangelist told me that, that if I go to Mount Zion, I'll, be, I'll find the place of deliverance so that I can be free from this burden on my back. And, and I'm trying to find the place of deliverance. And he told me that, that, that if you would be willing, you would let me in. Well, if he would be willing. Goodwill says, of course I'm willing. And he opened the wicket gate and he grabbed Pilgrim and pulled him in really fast. And Pilgrim got pulled in and he said, well, whoa, 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 why are you pulling me so fast? Because what, what Pilgrim didn't see is that these arrows were flying and landing in the door around him before he could get in the door. See, there was a castle nearby called Beelzebub's castle. Who's? Beelzebub. Beelzebub. The Bible talks about Beelzebub as a ruler of the demons. It's a picture of Satan and how Satan is trying with all his might to keep people from getting to the place of salvation. And so before they can get into the door, he's trying to get rid of them and he's shooting his arrows at them because Jesus said he comes to steal, kill and destroy. But Jesus said in John chapter 10, I am the door. I am the door. So what I want you to realize as we tell our story is that evangelist was pointing the pilgrim to the gate. But he doesn't lose his burden at the gate. See, the first thing a person who's a sinner needs to realize is that they have to come to the person of Jesus Christ and him alone in order to be saved. And there's a lot of people trying to find deliverance and they've got their own paths that they think are going to lead them to the place of deliverance. But it does not include Jesus Christ. So there's only one way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. And so the first thing Pilgrim had to realize is that to get rid of this burden, he has to come to Christ. And he's the only way. It's a narrow gate. And only one person at a time can get through. And they come through on their own when they realize that Jesus is the solution to their salvation, to the deliverance. But that wasn't the time of his deliverance. You know, there are people today that believe that you have to have Jesus Christ in order to get saved, but they're not saved. Why? Because they'll add things to Jesus Christ. The Catholic Church teaches that there are things people need to do. Jesus died, yes, and we need Jesus to die for us, but they'll add things to it. And so they're close to salvation. And that's why it's hard to save them. That's why it's so, there's so many missionaries struggling in places like Ireland and South America and Spain. Because the Catholic teaching is so strong. And they're keeping people from reading the truth of God and God's word. And so we have to come and realize, first of all, that Jesus is the only place of deliverance. And he is the gate. And the gate is a picture of him. And so he said, Goodwill says, listen, you, you need to finish, follow this path. It's straight. And it'll take you directly to the place you need to go. But you need to stop at, you want to do it, Tim? You need to stop at the interpreter's house. And so he stops at the interpreter's house. And the interpreter is a picture of, of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said in John sixteen thirteen that he would send the Holy Spirit who would guide them into all truth. And so when it comes to how a person is saved and all these people are adding their different things to their message of how a person gets saved... The Holy Spirit must do his work of, 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 of granting the understanding necessary to understand the full impact of the gospel, the message of the cross 
is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. And so he stops off an interpreter's house, and we saw one of the things that he learned there, right? Working from the law is like sweeping that dust, and it just stirred up in the room and choked everybody. The more you try from the law, it gains strength in conviction and condemnation in our hearts and doesn't give us the power to overcome sin. And so we get frustrated. It wants to lead us back to the slew of despond. But God's grace, if we realize that God's grace can settle it, like sprinkling that water on the floor, will settle the dust so that you can sweep it without being choked. That's what the grace of God does. That's one of the stories he learns at Interpreter's House. And so he realizes, okay, it's not going to come by works. It's not going to come by anything that I do. It's going to come by his grace. And so he knows it's through Jesus. He knows now that it's going to come not by works, but by faith, by the grace of God. And so an interpreter tells him, you have to continue on. And now on this path, as you travel, he said, you're going to notice the pathway is walled in by these two huge walls. And it's called the wall. The road, the road is called salvation. And there's no other place that it will take you except the way opens up at the foot of the cross. And as soon as Pilgrim gets to the cross, he stands there and he realizes what Jesus did for him on that cross. And immediately, as he's standing there, there's nothing he himself does, but as he's beholding the cross, the burden falls off of his back and rolls down the hill and falls into the grave, never to be seen again. Romans 8, chapter 1 says, If any man be in Christ, I'm sorry, now there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation. We'll never be judged again. Once we come to the cross and he takes away the burden. Now, there's many more things we can talk about that happens when a person reaches the cross. But tonight, I just wanted to make this one, this one important point. For true salvation to take place, it requires a person to become convinced of the person of Christ and the work of Christ as their only hope. And as soon as we put our faith in what Christ did, instead of trying to do it ourselves, that burden is removed and falls into the grave. We've died with Christ, buried with him in the likeness of his, of his uh, death. And just like he came back in newness of life, so we have a new life in him and can walk in newness of life even at life even as he does. And so now Pilgrim has arrived at the place where he's been delivered from the burden of his sin through the person and the work of Jesus Christ. What we want to talk about on Sunday is, first of all, what God does at that moment. Just a few things anyway that uh, Bunyan will highlight. And then we're going to go on to talk about some of the challenges that he will face. But he's a new man because now he's found the one and only place of deliverance through the person of Jesus Christ our Lord. And I pray that if you're here tonight, that, that you know that, right? That you, you, you not only have been convinced that Jesus is the person who can save you, but it's only by the work that he de- did for you as your substitute. You can't earn your way back to God by trying to be good. It's only going to destroy you like trying to climb Mount Sinai to try to find Mr. Legality's house. It's a futile, impossible journey. Let's pray. Lord, as we consider our salvation we want to thank you tonight that we have your word lord there are places in this world where people would be shot or killed on the spot if they had a copy of the bible in their hands and yet we have it 
not only in our hands, but shamefully too often on the shelf. And we're not really reading it and we hear things and we can be misled by worldly wise men because because we don't have the, the, the absolute truth of your word to guide us away from being deceived. Father, forgive us for the times that we have seen your cross as undesirable. Maybe those of us who know Christ is our savior, we've been convinced that we needed him for that. But too often we we run away from the only place where we still find forgiveness and deliverance from the power of sin in our lives. By humbling ourselves at the cross and saying, Lord, I did it again. I've sinned. And, 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 and upon our confession, finding your faithfulness to forgive. So, Lord, we pray that you would help us to treasure the cross, to run to the cross day by day so that we can be cleansed and walking with you in harmony. Just like we see Pilgrim, free from the burden that once pulled us down and hindered our walk. And so, Lord, we pray again, if there's anyone here, young or old, who needs to trust in Christ, that you would help them to see through the power of your Holy Spirit, the interpreter, how they not only have a need, but how you've supplied it in Christ. Part us with your blessing, we pray. Help us to live uh, in harmony with you moment by moment. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.